You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so Bezras Hashem, we're going to continue. We're going to continue. This is the ninth shir, the ninth talk on the Maisa Mebitachon. Baruch Hashem, today was a, a big day that I have now, not a finished product, but the final PDF of the commentary on this uh, on this story. So Bezras Hashem, it's just a, a real, real special thing to see something, you know, at least manifest in some form of, you know, physicality. So Bezra Sashem, it should find the right space and the right home, and it should be Ma'or or something. Um, but either way, this Maisa, this Maisa still, it gives you more and more every time you learn the Maisa. And so there's certain times where the particular place in the Maisa makes a lot more sense. And, and tonight, for me at least, is one of those times I'm finding a lot of comfort in the Maisa. And uh, the Indian of Maisa in general, Maisa Shahaya, there was a Maisa that took place. So you see this by the commentators on the Haggadah of Maisa Rabban Gamliel, or the Maisa Rabbi Akiva, the Maisa that happened in Bnei Brak. And Sadiqim say that Maisa, when a person tells a story, not only are they repeating something that has once taken place or telling a tale that was once said over, but every Sipur, every Sipur of a Maisa, every Sipur Yesias Mitzrayim and every Sipur Yemaisios, is a, re, a, a reawakening of, of that story, so to speak, that the story reveals more of itself every time a person reads it. And the oros, the, the lights, the mechanisms, the spiritual mechanisms, especially in Rabbi Nachman's Torah, are, are inherent within the Torah itself. Rabbi Nachman placed his neshama in his writings. He tells us that, that the lave and the moyach of the tzaddik, of the machaber, engarbs itself within the book. So that when a person reads a book, they're never chas v'shalom just reading a book. But what they're doing is they're awakening. They're awakening the spirit of the author that lives within the text. Now, that spirit of the text and the text itself are obviously two separate things that are both part and parcel of the singular nukuda. But when a person learns a sefer, especially a sefer written by tzaddikim amitim, Sefer written by Tzadikim Amitim Yechidi Hadoros, what a person does is that the story itself is simply a mechanism to awaken the oros of that story, the light of that story. So that when a person tells that story over, what they're doing is they're opening up that or that, that Rabbi Nachman drew down into the world. That's what the Torah of the Tzadik is in general. The Klalim, Ravavim ben Rav Nachman, who is the, the Taman Muvhak of Talmud Mufak of Rav Nachman Tolchiner. I'm sorry, he was not the Talmud Mufak of Rav Nachman Tolchiner. He was the son of Rav Nachman Tolchiner. Rav Nachman Tolchiner was the Talmud Mufak of Rabbi Nassim. Rabbi Nassim was the Talmud Mufak of Rabbi Nachman. So Rav Avram ben Rav Nachman, as is known, the Baal Biur Halikutim and the Baal Koich Ve'or and the Baal, uh, the, the, 
Chochmah V'tfuna and Sipari Maisios, and also Svarim that he wrote that were not revealed to us, that Tzaddik went back from, he went to Eretz Yisrael, made his way to Eretz Yisrael, met Rav Bender in Eretz Yisrael, had a, a Shaykhist Rav Kook in Eretz Yisrael, returned to Uman in Ukraine, returned to Uman for the end of his life, and then ultimately, well, it wasn't ultimately meant to be for the end of his life, but Kachava, it ended up being the end of his life. He didn't make it back to Yerushalayim, but he ended up in Ukraine. He ended up being, not buried in Ukraine, I believe, but, but he passed away in Uman by the Tzion of Rabbeinu. And, and this tzaddik, Rav ben Rav Nachman, who's referred to by the tzaddikim as the fourth generation of Breslov, the Dorevi'i Yeshuvu Heina, that the fourth generation shall return back here. So in the general tradition and trajectory of Tyrus Breslov, there was Rabbi Nachman, there was Rabbi Nelson, there was Rav Nachman Tolchina, and there was Rav Avram ben Rav Nachman. And then the Masorah that's mispashed from that place and all of the Tamidim Ha'amitim, the truth students of the tzaddik Emes in our generation and in each generation all come on a certain level from that Mahalach. And the Indian of, one of the Inyanim of Rav Avram ben Rav Nachman was that he wrote 18 principles, 18 hermeneutical principles, the Yudchas Klalim, as to how to learn the Kutimaran. And ultimately, it's taking the text seriously. It's the belief that the Nisham of a tzaddik is found in the text. And it applies to the Sipuri Maisios as well and everything that the tzaddik writes. But uh, Rav Avram ben Rav Nachman, in one of the Klalim, I believe it's in Klal David, although I'm not sure, says that inherent within the Torah in general and specifically within the Torah of Tzaddikim and specifically within the Torah of Rabbi Nachman, that inherent within the text are the spiritual gifts that the text is meant to awaken. And those mechanisms that a person learns about in a text are in fact taking place in that person's mind. And that revelatory experience of moichen, of consciousness within the mind, of, of a new insight in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, a new grasp of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, a new hasaga, a new nekuda v'amuna, a new ability to be melamed skus on myself, on the world, on something else. These nekudos katanos of avedis Hashem, that's the, the moichen that are nimshach through the Torah. And when we learn, when we study any story of Rabbi Nachman, the, or any of the tzaddikim ha'amitim, any of the tzaddikim amitim. This is true for Niglos Atar as well. The person has to believe that the encounter with the text is not simply a study of some dead book that no longer exists in any fundamental way. Because in truth, because in truth, the text lives on. The text is the Taras Chaim. And, and the grand tradition of, of studying holy books and taking refuge in holy books and finding an irmiklat within the text is because when I read the tzaddik's lips quiver in the grave, and when I read, I have to see to it as if, like the Talmud Yerushalmi tells us, that the tzaddik itself is standing in front of me when I read these words, that there's an encounter. An encounter with a text, an encounter with a book written by a tzaddik, written l'shma, contains within itself essence that even the author themselves didn't comprehend. And it's not that they didn't comprehend it, it was dependent on us to bring it out. The text lives on beyond the life of the author, but the interpretation is the connection to the author. That we realize ultimately that who wrote the world into existence, like Rav Tzadok HaKohen Leblin says that he heard a tradition in his youth and that he saw something similar in secular philosophy as well, that the God wrote a book, God wrote a book and that book is the world speaks to the textuality of the world, the reality that the world is a sefer. Like the Safar Ditsniusa, the Bir Hagron, the beginning says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world, besefer, besefer, besipur. And like the Sefer Yitzira opens up that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world with a book. The world is a book. It's beckoning us to interpret it as we see fit. 
And the Torah is the commentary on that book. HaKadosh Baruch Hu writes the world into existence, and therefore existence is textual. It's our ability to uncover the letters of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that animate all things, like the Balatanya teaches us, and the Torah Shebech Sav of Hasidus and Shari Yuchad that ultimately the entirety of existence is rooted in the irreducible spirituality of the letters themselves. Because os obviously simply means that it's asya, it comes from somewhere else, it gestures beyond itself. And when we learn a book, when we're makusher to a sefer, a sefer Rabbi Nachman tells us is the gematria shame. It's the name of the author. Because when a person reads a book, what they're doing is they're encountering the light of that author that exists within them and within the book. And when things are schwer and when a person can't see whatever it is that they need to see in the world around them, then the etza is the, that, that come into the book, that a person, when you enter into a book, when you enter into a text itself, a sefer, the book, the book offers you comfort. The book becomes a place of comfort. It's not simply a place of information. Adarabba, a person begins to forget what it even means to learn for the sake of information. The book is in your miklat. A sefer is a place to rest one's head. Ibn Ahmed says that, that the sefer is the bechia of the machaber. The sefer is the bechia of the machaber. It's the tears of the machaber. But it's tears of joy. It's a bechia that comes from simcha of the moichin itself, of the tzaddik taking consciousness and spiritual insight and drawing it down into a text and edifying within a text itself that we can study. But Rabbi Nachman and any, all of the tzaddikim, Rabbi Nachman is buried in Uman, he's buried in Yerushalayim, and he's also buried in the book. There's many ways to uncover the light of the tzaddik. And the light of the tzaddik sometimes appears in the books, in the holy books that populate our walls. And so Bezra Sashem, when we read a story, especially a story like Maisa Mebitachon, especially the last part of Maisa Mebitachon, which we're up to, so then it's Kadai to believe anytime a person opens up a book that the Torah is a therapeutic encounter, Zehu, that it's a Torah's Chaim, like we said in the name of the Ishbitzer in the Parshish here on Thursday night, that Torah Hashem Meshivas Nafesh, that the Torah of Hashem is Tamim, it's perfect because it restores the soul. It returns a lost object, meaning to say, says the Meshiloach, that inherent within the experience of healthy Talmud Torah is the awareness of I'm missing something, I'm searching something out, I need the Torah to return something to me. I need the Torah to remind me of something essential that seems to be missing. And when a person sits down in front of a Sefer like that, at that moment, the person is not going to stand up until they force the text into their lives right now. And so Bezer Sashem. What we're up to now is the, the, the fixer is cast down, right? So he's going down into the lowest place. He showed the king that he was able to fix broken things in the world of Atsilas, where everything was easy, where there was no concealment. He showed the king that he was able to descend the lower level into the world of Bria, where he revealed the capacity of cutting down trees and finding the Suda of truly being present. And then the king punishes, not punishes, but forces his hand to descend even lower to reveal the lights of, of Kedusha and Tikkun inherent within Nishmas Yisrael. He goes into the world of Yitzira, which is that wasteful place, that waiting place of excess and excrement of, of cleaning out the waste of animals, that Olam HaYitzira, that world of Matat, that world of the Eitz Tovara, that world of the Nachash Bereach and the Nachash Akleson and the Mata that's Masapich into a Nachash and a Nachash that's Masapich into a Mata that place of the chamber of changing colors, the Hichal Gvanim HaMishtanim, that place of the Lahat HaCherev HaMesapeches, where we're blocked access only because access is so ever-present. Even in the world of Yitzira, 
in that place that's buried in the belly of the snake, like the Vilna Gon tells us. So the fixer was able to reveal, I can find you here also, Hashem. I can find you in the waste of animals and I can clean out stables for a living. And it's not going to diminish one iota from my capacity to find true joy without any worry in the world. Something that is a miracle. It's a Pella that the king himself came down to this world to see if it was possible. He came in back of the houses and he discovered the true secret of joy in this fixer in his broken down, mudded hut with a broken roof where everything was schwer. And so the king keeps pushing him. And now we finally come to the culmination. We come to Oilam Ha'asiyah. We come to the lowest imaginable place, that Tachlis Ha'adir B'Tachtainim. And the job that the fixer is going to have to engage in now is different than the other scenarios. The first scenario was a fixer. The second scenario, he was cutting down trees. The third scenario, he was cleaning out a stable. The fourth scenario, he becomes a soldier. He throws himself into a place of war. He throws himself into a world of death. He throws himself into a world where Bikesh Yaakov Leshev Bashalva, that Yaakov Avinu wants to simply rest in this world and be calm for a second and to believe that things can be normal and that a person in this world can achieve Yishav So the anger of Yosef, the wars, the tension, everything bubbles up again because the job of the fixer, the job of the fixer is to draw down that light of comfort even into even into a place of rogas. To live in a world of war, to live in a world of, to be an ish chayil, like we said in the name of the Ramchal, is to, to be a human being. In the first parak of Nesil Shisharim, the, the example of being human is being thrown into a war that's already raging, into a milchama, into a place of, of, of difficulty and distortion. Like we said in the name of Rav Kook, in Oiris HaMilchama, that when there's a Hisairis of Milchama in the world, there's also a Hisairis of Mashiach in the aspect of Kol HaTor this rumbling noise of change and, and, and distress and, and stirrings. Because the secret of Bikesh Yaakov Leshev B'Shalva, there's two ways of looking at it. Yaakov Avinu truly wanted to sit B'Shalva. Yaakov Avinu is the fixer. Yaakov Avinu is Nishma Sisrael, the ability to see broken things and fix them to fight with the Saroshal Esav and to be victorious. And not only that, but to force the other side to give a blessing, to bless us, to admit to the fact that ultimately light is everything. And Yaakov Avinu wants to sit Beshalva. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, no, sorry, like a story of Eov, right? Or like some people like to interpret Irvin Nachman's story. Sorry, you can't. Uh, unfortunately, you're barred access from that joy. In this Kafkaesque space of this, this blind bureaucratic coldness of, of a Kaddish Baruch Hu's kind of pettiness with regards to the Jewish people. No, you can't have Shalva, that's not your lot. And Chas V'Shalom to think that. In truth, what on a certain level, what it means is Bikesh Yaakov Leshev B'Shalva. Yaakov wanted to learn the secret of sitting B'Shalva. Yaakov wanted to learn the secret of comfort for a Jew in this world. As Miad, Kavtsa love Rubza Yosef. Hashem says, okay, you want to learn the secret of Shalva? Here you go. Let's see how you handle this. Let's see what you do with the Rubza Yosef. And that's exactly what's happening in the story. The king sees that this fixer can fix broken things. So the king says, I am going to break this for him. It's the same exact language. The king is saying, I'm going to show you how to truly understand Menucha Vesimcha. That quiet joy of sitting at that Suda on your own, where the Suda is Mamash Suda in your broken down hut. It's specifically in the Rubz of the Yosef, specifically in a world of Milchama specifically in a world where a person can't ever quite 
slowed down yet. But like Ravichamayar Shlita points out, Avada person can't slow down, but you can you can slow down while you're moving very fast. It's it's a secret of zrizus bamasinus, of alacrity within calmness, of, of moving incredibly fast with a deep sense of urgency in this world, in a world of milchama, but at the very same moment to be a babitachon, to live with that comfort of batach ba lev bala. Eishas chayel miyinsa, batach ba lev bala. You want to know the secret of emuna, of the b'china of eishas, in a state of chayil, in a state of, of difficulty, you want to understand how to find that of Eishas chayil mi yimtza. How are you going to find that secret of Eishas, which is the amuna of Hashem Safasai Tiftach, Roshay Tevos Eishas, like Rabbi Nachman points out, the secret of tefillah, that place of amuna. You want to understand Eishas chayil, the secret of amuna within the chayil, the life of the soldier, mi yimtza, where are you going to find it? And obviously mi is meramis to bina because it's specifically in bina, which is the or of Rabbi Nachman, like the Talmidim say, where we uncover the secret of amuna. But Eishas chayil mi yimtza, batach ba'alev ba'ala, the secret of, of how you find amuna in, in the heart of war is batach ba'alev bala, have bitachon. Bitachon, like we said, in the name of the Rebbe, in, in the name of Ravichemeyer, in the name of the, the Zidichavr and the Diyun between the Tzemach Tzedek and, and, and the Chazon Ish and the Chavis Olavavos, that ultimately bitachon is the capacity to live the future certainty within the present doubts, to taste the future in the present to draw down the iris of Chachma, of, of unity, specifically into the vessels of disunity. Like Rashi HaKadosh says on the first Pasuk in Shir Hashirim, that Shir Hashirim was the light that Shlomo Melech brought down from the future itself. It was the, the, fut- the awareness of the future melting into the present moment, in spite of the fact that it wasn't good, that Bitochon was so strong that it was good. The secret of the Balabitachon, where the Suda is Mama Shasuda. And that's specifically in the place of Bina. Draw that taste of Bitachon down. Draw that taste of Bitachon, which the Tzadikim say that Surah Harmor and Shir Hashirim says is the song that the Yolada screams out on the birthing stone. It's that, that pain, that awareness, that intensity, that Syria Melchama. But at the very same point, an awareness of a simcha that's going to unfold. When, how, who knows? It doesn't matter. It's simply the, the awareness that that will unfold is the kayach of bitachon. And that's how a person finds those oros, those oros of amuna, of eshes, of Hashem sefasai tiftach, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, open up my lips and let me daven to you, specifically in a place of chayil, specifically in a place of being a soldier. And that's what the fixer, that's what the fixer does here. I apologize for the, uh, the tangent. The fixer goes down to be a soldier. And, and Rabbi Nachman feels that, that we should hear the two elements of being a soldier. Rabbi Nachman explains he doesn't only go to be a soldier to make his daily wages, to have his suda, <clears throat> but there are two types of soldiers. There are soldiers in the war who are born into it. They're drafted. They don't have a choice. They live in a world of milchama. That's the mitzias. They live in that world of chaos. It's not up to them whether they exit the world of chaos. They live in a world of being a soldier where there's always a bullet whizzing by the head. No menuchas nefesh. And then there are those who are soicheres atzmam lios And then there are those who rent themselves out to be a soldier. And specifically, our fixer doesn't become a soldier from birth. 
he becomes a rented soldier. He's he's willing to descend into the place of Muhammad. And Rabbi Nachman's lashon is that he put he dresses himself up. He gets dressed as an Ish Muhammad, and he goes out to do what soldiers do. And then he returns and he makes money from those day wages. He buys the suda, and the suda was mamish suda. And the king comes back to see what had become of this fixer, who now is obviously going to be despondent. Obviously, he wasn't going to be happy. He's in the world of Asiya. He's in the world of Milchama. And he sees the fixer sitting there in the Suda's Mamash Suda. There's Simcha. There's Simcha. There's Hayom Mbekalotishma'u. There's the awareness that all I have in front of me is right now, and right now everything is okay. Azmamela, everything is okay. And it was his bread and his water, and he was playing on his harp, that inaudible tune, and it was the most beautiful thing in the world. And the king still can't handle this. The king still says, okay, so he could fix himself in this broken place of renting himself out to be a soldier. Let's see what happens when I break it again. And the king goes and announces, you can't pay a rented soldier day wages anymore. Okay, and the minister, this bureaucrat, is all too eager to appease the king. So he makes another rule. So the next day, the fixer comes down, ready for his daily wages as a soldier. And the minister says, I don't want to. I don't want to pay you for today. And now the Balabitachon, the, the, the Ish Chayil, the, the Ish Hamitake, and the fixer, he says, what do you mean? We made a Tanai. You told me you were going to pay me my daily wages. And the minister says, nope, it came down from on high that I can no longer pay anybody daily wages. Again, the king is trying to take everything away from the fixer. The king is trying to teach the fixer, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Melech Malchi Amlachim, is trying to teach the fixer the truest secret of joy, which is that it's independent of all things. It is a state of mind. It is besimcha, which is the osios of machshava. It is not dependent on anything. Just like emuna, it stands upon itself. It's late slay magar meklum. Its outside is its inside, and its inside is its outside. It's 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 unified. It's so it's simple enough to be translucent. And this koyach of emuna and this koyach of simcha that the ishamatake now has to face, he can't even make his wages as a rented soldier. He can't make his wages even descending into those places of mochama, of choosing to enter into the place of mochama. And so what does the fixer do? The fixer says, ah, I remember what I used to do. I used to be a fixer of broken things. I could fix all broken things. And it's not that he had to remember. That's what he's been doing all along. He's been showing the king. He's been showing Hashem that I could fix anything that's broken. And he says, because I can fix broken things, let me cut off the, the metal part, the metal blade of my sword, and I'll pawn it out. I'll get a sum of money to buy my meal. I'll place a piece of wood on the sword, and nobody will know the difference. I'll sheath it with that wooden blade inside of it. I'll go out, I'll get my day wages, then the minister will pay me, I'll go back, I'll repawn that real metal blade, I'll put it back on the sword, I'll throw out the piece of wood, and the king is going to be happy, nobody's going to know the better. And the king, and this all happens, and the Ishimatakin, you know, he goes ahead and he does this, he does this, and he's walking around with his wooden sword. And he buys the meal, and the meal is mamish a meal again, he finds it, and the king comes back that night to see what has become of this fixer. Obviously, there's no joy. Obviously, it's impossible. It's a world of Muhammad. It's a world of difficulty. It's a world of pain. And he sees again that the Suda was Mamash Suda. Here we have this individual, this Ishamatakin, who can quite literally fix things even lower than Oilam Ha'asiya. Betachtis Ha'asiya. In the Hastara Shabbatoicha Hastara. Or as the Alter Rebbe in the 36th chapter describes it, the Chayshach Kaful Umechupel. 
the darkness that is doubled over itself. Even there, even there he can find joy. And he says to this person, how did you do this? How did you make this meal? And he tells him the whole Misa with the wooden sword. Tells him the whole Misa with the wooden sword. And he says, the king is not going to be bothered. He's not going to know any difference. I could fix broken things and I'm going to return the, I'm going to get the blade back. I'll put it back on and it's all good. So the king goes out and he says, I'm going to break it for him. I'm going to show him that there's a place that the neshama can't find happiness. And he goes out. He, he goes out and he calls this minister who hires this fixer who has now become a, a, a daily wage soldier with his wooden sword. And he says, you know that soldier that you hired, obviously unbeknownst to the minister about the wooden sword, he says, yeah. He says, I want you to tell him that there's an anonymous Chayiv Misa in the Malchus. Someone needs to die. Somebody needs to die. Somebody is Chayiv Misa. Who, what, where, when, why, it doesn't make any difference whatsoever. It's again, the, the narrative is each and every person's individual life. It's, it's, a bare, it's a bare expression. It's anonymous because it's all of us. And he needs to be the one to take this person's life. He's of Misa. There's a of Misa. It's clear that he's of Misa. I want this soldier to take his life because the king knows he's going he's gonna to out him for having a wooden sword. So the minister calls this Jew. The minister calls this fixer and says, you know what? You got to come with me. The king wants you to, to put this man to death today. The king goes to his friends, he goes to the Sarim from the foreign places, those distant lands that have never heard of anything about light. And he gathers them together and he says, Hever, you have to see something hilarious. There's going to be a big joke, a big schoik, a big ridiculous finale here. Empty finale, meaningless, hilarious. That this person is going to make a buffoon of himself. Watch what happens. And the fixer comes in front of the king and again, my favorite part of the story is that throughout the story, we assume that the fixer doesn't know that it's the king who's repeatedly coming back, participating in his suda, ruining his suda, coming back, participating in the suda, ruining his suda. Because otherwise the whole thing would be a sham and there would have been no story. But over here, we find that the fixer comes in front of the king at this point and he's not surprised at all. He is not surprised. He knew on a certain level that it's all the same. The king, the person ruining everything for me, this guest who's coming to my home, it's all the same. Everything is Megala HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And he comes in front of the king and the king says, I want you to put this man to death. And the Jew says, knowing he has a wooden sword, again, knowing he has no capacity to take anybody's life. He has no capacity to do anything honestly at that point. He has no capacity towards authenticity. He's a, he's a, he's a fraud. He's a joke. He has a wooden sword. And the king says, take his life. And the fixer says, I've never killed anybody before. I've never killed another person in my life. Can, can you please ask somebody else? I, I don't want to do this. And the king says, nope, you, Daika, specifically you. Specifically you, you, you. It has to be you. It has to be each and every individual. Each and every individual is the central player in, in the drama of existence. Because like Rabbeinu teaches us, we're each our own universe. And the fixer realizes, okay, so it's got to be me. So he says, are you certain that this person deserves to die? Because I have never killed anybody. And I most certainly do not want to kill somebody when it's not absolutely clear 
when there's ain't suffik bedavar, but rather it's vadai, it's absolutely clear that he deserves death. What the fixer does over here is he forces HaKadosh Baruch Hu to go to that place of Sveikos, that highest place, that place of Adlo Yada, that place of Purim, where we no longer even know the difference between Arahaman and Baruch Mordechai. And the tzaddik, the fixer, the neshama goes and says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you want me to live in this world of Milchama with all of this Misa? Are you sure there's no suffik, even in the place of Sveikos the Radla, in that place that you could be mamtik things in a different way, that it doesn't have to be in this derech ha that you can find sipuk within the histapkus and the satisfaction within suffik. And the king says, no, there's a decree, it's written, it's a book, like we said before, it's written, there's a Torah. There's a Matthias, the world is a safer, and that safer has to be carried out. It's a book, you have to kill this person. It's the answer that, yeah, avada tzaddik, you know, the sveikos are higher than vadai, but ultimately, the Torah is higher than any suffix because the Torah is mevarikol asfekos. It's the Ilana Dechayim. And so he realizes that the king is, is not going to let him go. As Pana El Atzmo, this is the Lashon of Rabbeinu, Pana El Atzmo, he turned towards himself. He entered inwards. He experienced his boidudus. He was alone. He experienced that badar yashav, that, that the bedidus, the badad, that place of aloneness in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Pana El Atzmo, Pana El HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he turns towards the Kadosh Baruch Hu and he says, El Shaddai. In the, in the Sefer, Be'ezra Sashem, there's, there's 12 explanations of what Kel Shakai might mean and, and why it's specifically this name, Hakol B'derach Efshar. But, but Kel Shakai is a very powerful name. It's a name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's, it's enough. Everything is enough. It's enough, and I'm enough, and we're all good here. I'm going ahead with the joke, and I'm going to beat you at your own game, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's that hiskabris. It's that ability to say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in the end of the day, I know you want me. I know you want love. I know you want shalom in this world. I know you want peace in this world, the sleik of this world. And Panayel HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Kel Shakai, says, God, in front of all the sarim, he says, I have never killed a person in my entire life. I certainly don't want to. If by even the slightest chance, the person who is Chayav Misa in front of me, if even there's the slightest chance that he does not deserve to die, then may you turn the blade of my sword into wood. And he unsheaths his sword and everybody sees that it's a sword of wood. And it was a wonder. And a great laughter erupted. And the king saw that there's a man as beautiful as this. And he sent him off in peace. The Kayach of the Schoik, the Kayach of our ability to say, I have a wooden sword. I know it's a wooden sword. I don't care that it's a wooden sword. I'm going to use the wooden sword to reveal you in this world. The lie, the, the inauthenticity, the shalolishma, the schoik of it all, the purim of it all. I know I'm just acting, Rabbi Nishleilam. I know that my cherev, the cherev pipios, that koyach of tefillah, that koyach of eishes chayel ataras baila, of Hashem Safasai Tiftach, I know that it's Echad Bepev, Echad Belev. I know that that's not an authentic tefillah to the extent that I can't even ask why I don't have what I need because we haven't even begun to daven yet. 
But even though we haven't begun to daven, even though we know that all of our davening is ki'ilu oimid lefnei melech, like the Rambam says, ki'ilu oimid lefnei melech, as if. The Isha understands this. The deepest fixing in the world is to be mamtik all dinim by revealing the joke of it all, by revealing that v'tislak liyom there's going to be a great, tremendous, heavy, earth-shaking laughter. And tzchoik is also tzachak and yafe yafe. A person has to crack up. A person has to break themselves open, to split themselves open, to melt, to reveal all of the different parts and how it's megala, the biggest tzchoik in the world. And that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in the schos of all of the tzaddikim should be mamshech a tzchoik of Purim, a tzchoik of the Isha Metakin, a tzchoik of Bitachon, a tzchoik of the fact that Yitzchak Avinu is going to be the one who's Megala Milsalem Afreyu, who's going to reveal retroactively that the entirety of Gullus and concealment was all Or HaOiris, it was all light. And Samchenu Kimaisani Sanu, and that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will gladden us like the days of our suffering. And the Ramchal says that it's specifically the Kayach of our experience with HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the days of the difficulty that a person will come to realize the deepest connectivity to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that koyach of bitachon, that nekuda of shalom, of to be mamshuch shalom into the world, of to be a, an isha metakin who finds satisfaction in everything, in all things. And that's the schoik di Yitzchak, that's the laughter of Yitzchak, that's the capacity of Rabbi Nachman ultimately, of all of the tzaddikim and the Baal Tov HaKadosh, to reveal the secret of the tikkun klali, the secret of fixing that which can't be fixed, the secret of drawing peace into Mulchama itself, the secret story of the Panzor, the armor which is associated with the Tikkun Kloli, which is the fact that no matter how closely I guard myself in this world, no matter how much armor I put on, there's always a blind spot. There's always a Nukuda of Chisaron. There's always a Mikra. There's always Mikra Megillah. There's always something out of my control. Ishbitz and Radzin came and like they said, okay, Rabbi Nachman revealed that space, let's give you the Torah of that space. But there's always something out of control. There's always a Nakuda of Oynes. And what Ravitch Meyer Morgenstern Shlita pointed out in the Purim Katantish of this year, Vashtia Kedas Ein Oynes, in the name of Rav Hirsch Rimenov, that Ashtia Kedas Ein Oynes, Ein Oynes means that a person forces themselves to enter into a place of Ayin. That, that we put ourselves under duress, we, we are ma'anes ourselves, we, we, we force ourselves to live in a place of ayin. That's a stira. If I'm in ayin, I don't have to force myself to be in ayin. Or we can see in the Pasuk of David Melech Mashiach and Tehillim that derech bacharti, I've chosen a path, of faith, a, a path of faith. Which one is it? Is it the natural faith that the soul feels is that uh, the awareness of nothingness through the contemplation of divine reality? then why do I have to be ma'anis myself? And, and the secret is that a person can force themselves to live in that place. That's the koyach of bitachon, to taste it even without tasting it. To taste it before we have the capacity to taste it. And as Rabbi Nachman says, that if a person can hold on to the secret of his boidudus, to the secret of avoida panimia shebelev, then when Mashiach comes, it's not going to be so surprising. We're already going to know calmness. We're not going to be so overwhelmed by how incredible the shift of things are. We'll know. We'll have tasted Shabbos before. And so Bezrus Hashem, the kayach of the Maisim Ebitachon, the kayach of the Tzadikim Amitim, should give us the ability to, to find more light in the in the Svarim HaKadoshim of all of the Talmidim, the Talmidim of the Baal Shem Tov, the, the Vilnagon, and the Be'ezra Sashem. It should be Mar Shalom Ba'olam. It should, it should give us the blessing of the Isha Metakin who has the capacity to draw down Shalom and to be allowed to, to walk in peace, Be'ezra Sashem.
This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page, and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.